ready. Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. All right, everybody. It's that time again. Welcome back. We are live. and we Do we have a special guest for you today? He hasn't been here in a long time. We are excited to be here tonight with Doug Perry, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. And uh, this is a live show, as I mentioned, Friday, January, what is today? Uh, January 6th, January 5th, excuse me, 2024. Uh, Doug, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm great. It's good, good to hear from you. My friend, you want to open us in prayer tonight? Absolutely. Oh, Lord God Almighty, we love you. If we don't love you enough, help us to love you more. We thank you for this time. We ask that you be present amongst your people, that you'd accomplish your purposes in this time. I pray, Lord, if anything is said that's not purely of you, that it would fall to the ground harmless. We really, really don't want to hurt your bride. We bless your holy name. We thank you. We praise you. Just ask that you would guide our words and accomplish uh, everything that needs to be accomplished in, in, in the lives and hearts of the people that are listening. If somebody's not tuned in and they're supposed to be, please get them here. We bless your holy name. We thank you. In obedience to your command, we pray all this to the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Master, King, Commander, Brother, Husband, Lover of our soul. Amen. Hey, I say amen to that. Again, everybody, welcome. We are live. Invite a friend to tune in tonight. Doug, Happy New Year, first of all, to you and your family. Well, thank you. You too. Yeah. Doug, listen. I was uh, recently working on restoring some of our audios. I took everything offline for a season because I was moving things over to a new system called Podbean. And I had some other reasons that I pulled all my archives down for a while. I got to go back and... uh, pull out any commercial music that I've used over the years. I had a tendency to play oh. some music and leave it in the MP3 so I can get in a little bit of trouble. But I'm working on that and um, I'm going back back to episode one. That's about 10,600 shows ago. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have made it. And uh, I'm remastering them, uploading them and, uh, and there we are. Uh, you and I uh, did multiple programs Back at the beginning of time of Mega Man Radio. That was 2010, man. That's been a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great yeah show. I started doing YouTubes in 2007, and just a couple a week, no big deal. But uh, turns out there's 2,000 of them now up there. <laughs> Whoa. Man, that's huge. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, we're going to get into your ministry tonight, and um, we got plenty of time, and I'm going to give you the mic to bring the word of the Lord today. Whatever you want to talk about, mic's yours. But uh, I just want to say, uh, officially, I apologize for not communicating with you in almost 13 years, my brother. Oh, I, well, 
you know, it's the holidays. We get busy. <laughs> Stuff happens. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 I forgive you, and I'm, 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 it's not that I wasn't thinking of you, or we didn't bump into each other on Facebook once in a while, but... And I think it was probably two years ago we were like, oh, yeah, let's do the show again, and, and then just didn't get get around to it. Things have been crazy. And um, multiple times I didn't know if I would even be able to continue the program. I just said, you know, so I felt like giving up certain times along the way. Or, you know, all the censorship things. You know, we've been banned uh, probably seven times on YouTube. I've lost my channel. You talk about yeah. COVID or you talk about anything political. And of course, we can talk about anything tonight. Uh, no holds barred on podcast. Uh, you know, you know how YouTube censor- censorship is, and uh, they don't like certain stuff to be said. And so, yeah. I'm one of strong opinions, as you are, and um, and that's good. We ought to be able to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. But sometimes we'll offend people, and I've offended YouTube so many times that man, they cut me off the knees, and uh, I've started over from zero seven or eight times i'm thinking about trying it again but i don't know i uh went to upload some old shows and uh, within about a day i got a message from youtube it said uh hey we're giving you a warning you violated our standards i'm like uh it wasn't a recent show that i uploaded it was something from 13 years ago but uh I oh must yeah. Have, yeah i must have talked about vaccines or something they didn't like it and um they said next warning's a strike and i said uh yeah youtube hasn't repented so um yeah you know some of these platforms are just intolerable but i want to say this for the record because it uh you deserve this um and most people tuning in uh are not people that have been tuning in from the very beginning of time but um i did a disservice folks to doug perry and um i was very immature in 2010 and I've learned a lot along the way, plus I've gotten a lot of battles on my own. And uh, there was a particular friend that I had that you and he, I won't mention the names or go into details, you all had a disagreement on YouTube, and I didn't know what to do. Because uh, you're my friend, and we've done some programs together, great programs, and he was my friend. And uh, you know what, I uh, I owed you a call, and we could have worked out whatever issue we had and uh, kept going, but I just didn't call you, I let you go. And um, for that, I ask you to forgive me because that wasn't right to you. Well, I appreciate that, Shannon. And I, uh, I uh, am, am happy to forgive you. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what the consequences were. I don't know what the ripples across the body are when we don't play nice with each other um i know that there's a a synergy and uh an opportunity for collaboration and and mutual support that uh is is just fed to the pigs by denominationalism and faction and division and all the stuff that uh the malicious talk and pointing finger and all uh, you know all the stuff he warns us about and yet uh christianity has been so susceptible to and uh i 
there's days where I feel like we should be a lot further along in the things that he's called us to do if we'd have got a bigger megaphone or got more cooperation from people. But then the Lord says it's all part of the plan and it's all timed out and it needed to go this way. So uh, I'm not... Uh, I got a pretty thick skin about that kind of stuff. I'm banned for life from churches all over town for asking them if we could sell their pipe organ and feed the poor. Uh, and uh, did God really tell you to build a new gym instead of a homeless shelter? Right. Uh, and that's that's the end of me there. Um, it's uh, anyway. So uh, it's all good, Shannon. God will work it all out. And uh, um, I have I have I've got to the point. I, I, I'm I'm sure I know who you're talking about. And we are all parts of the body. And we all have our things to do. And the hand can't say, I don't need the eye. But then again, some people are stomach acid and some are eyeballs. And they need to stay about three feet apart. Uh, um, That's true. You know, <laughs> somebody's a sphincter and somebody's a nose. And they are placed in the body far from each other for a good reason. There's chemicals in your body one drop in the wrong place will kill you instantly. And uh, and so if we are going to be a body, it's not just cooperation. It's also understanding who needs to stay away from the other one. <laughs> and uh, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's not a reason to, uh, to dismiss them or be angry at them or whatever. I've had street preachers tell me that you can't go to heaven and you're not really saved unless you're street preaching. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm sure that's what he told you because you need to obey what he's telling you to do. But somebody's got to have an orphanage. You know, somebody's got to do other stuff too. That's right. And you might want to be a little bit more merciful. Uh, I learned a long time ago, if you hit your little brother with a Tonka truck, you're getting a timeout. And uh, mom and dad would not be loving if they let you hit your little brother and if they didn't discipline you for it and didn't protect him, what kind of parents are those? So, you know, you you just can't go picking on Jesus' little brothers and sisters without some consequence. Uh, we need to be a lot nicer and uh, considerate. And and so I appreciate your apology and consideration, and, and I just encourage everybody uh, to... My, my whole ministry has been about... What's it going to take to get the bride of Christ to be one? And the main thing is, a lot of people seem to read John 17, where Jesus was about to go to the cross, and he prayed for us, and he said, Lord, I pray for them that they would be right as I and the Father are right. Oh, wait, no, that's not what he said. He said that they'd be one despite the fact that none of them are right and they're all stupid little ants looking out the ant farm at the giant face looking in thinking they know what he had for lunch. And the thing we all have in common is the hubris and the pride that at any point we think we have all the answers so we should probably all just hit our knees and cry like babies and beg him to forgive us for ever thinking that we had him all figured out and that one of us was going to stand next to him and he'd say, look, here's Shannon. He was the one that had everything right. 
<laughs> like we don't all see through a glass darkly. Uh, anyway, so I guess I'm on here to preach. So there you go. I'm preaching now. Well, I'm going to cut you loose in just a minute. We're just warming up. But plus, I got extra time on the clock. Uh, folks, um, right on. we're live with Doug Perry tonight. And uh, Doug, this is our first time together in a long time. We got a lot to catch up on. Folks, we're not going to do it all tonight. But uh, this is just the start of some great things. I like right Doug on. Perry, and I love your ministry, brother. And um, I've been following you from afar. And I'll tell you something. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes in podcasting, radio. Got into a lot of fights. My, I picked fights. Uh, others have picked them with me. I've done some stupid things. Said some crazy things. Lord, forgive me. But I'm learning. I'm a work in progress. But um, I had a prophetic word about six months ago, Doug, from a friend who just went home to be with Jesus, Brother Scott Lathrop, Prophet Scott and his team, and um, the word was God was restoring uh, some relationships, and there were people coming back to a Mega Man Radio, haven't been there in a long time, and I said, that's a great thing, and I'll tell you the truth, just this week, uh, we've got three people that were on the program many years ago that are coming back, uh, and you're a fulfillment of prophecy tonight, you're the first, and I've got Another brother I just called the other night. I hadn't talked to him, picked up a phone in seven years. My fault, once again. You know, I tend to email. I'm kind of, I take the path of least resistance sometimes, trying not to be confrontational. And uh, not that there's any bad bones, but I just need to get on the phone. You know, you can't build relationships with people doing it by text, although some people try it. That's just stupid. That I thought that way. So I picked up the phone. And uh, he's coming back. Brother John Kyle will be back pretty soon. Got another brother coming on. So the Lord fulfilled a word to me. And uh, I think 2024 is going to be his most exciting year I've ever been doing podcast. Because that first year that we began to do programs was beautiful. And um, we've done a lot of shows between now and then. Got a little bit stagnant along the way. But my prayer is God would uh, revitalize us this year, Doug, all of us, and uh, you know, as bad as some things are being planned for the people of God out there, I'm not burying my head in the sand. I'm, uh, I could take the attitude just to lay down and get into a fetal position, give up. But, you know, the leper said to the leper, why sit here till we die? And the Lord rallied me a few months ago, and I'm angry now. I mean, look, these um, demonic Illuminati globalists, they've hurt us all, and I'm not going to lay down anymore and take it. I'm of the opinion this is a year to recover all. Let's put the demons to the sword this year. And you know how I found out about you originally back in 2010 is uh, I was looking for people that knew something about deliverance. And I think that's how I found you, Doug, because you had a deliverance manual you had put together that was revolutionary back in 2010. You remember that? You were giving away for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all types. It's still on our website. We haven't really done the whole introductions for new people, but the website's fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. God told me 2005, that's what the church ought to be, the koinonia of the martus, the the comradeship of those who are already dying daily and wouldn't squeal if you put a gun to their head. And uh, uh, I've got eight books that I've written that are there for free uh, as audio books. Some of them are audio books. Some of them are PDFs for free, or, or you can order uh, off Amazon the paperback if you want, but... Wow. But we give, a, we give the PDFs away for free. Uh, but I wrote a book called Demons. You're kidding, right? And uh, I go through 
The Lord said, just write down uh, a, a report from this recon on the front lines, everything you've seen, dealt with, where it hides, how it acts, what what I showed you. It's not doctrine, like you got to see it the same exact way, but uh, it's a really comprehensive uh, report from some people that were doing really, really high level, lots and lots of uh, deliverance from uh, individual people to city-sized uh, stuff and more. So uh, it's there on the website, uh, plus lots of other books that we can talk about whenever. But, um, yeah, that was the original thing. We did a video talking about the Spirit of Python and Kundalini and other stuff uh, way back way back in the day. And, you know, there's still a need today as much as ever before for deliverance ministry. And that's the book I'm talking about. Folks, who gives away deliverance manuals for free? Very few people. We'll put a link up in the show notes. You want to get over to Doug's website, get this book. That's how I found out about Doug Perry. And, uh, well, praise God. Just a little introduction tonight. I needed to say that to, for Doug, to Doug because he deserves it. And uh, I'm hoping to make up for lost time, and we will. And so we already got three programs scheduled. I told Doug, uh, just come on and uh, speak on anything you want. We're going to begin that tonight. Again, before we do, though, one more question. Um, you've been active in ministry for a very long time. Where do people go to follow your ministry? Uh, give that website out again, and also, are you on any other platforms that you want to mention? Sure. We, uh, our YouTube is FOTM1, Fellowship of the Martyrs, number one, because FOTM wasn't available at the time I signed up. But uh, it's FOTM1 on YouTube. We've got a couple thousand videos on there. Uh, uh, I don't I think there's 40, 50 playlists to try to organize them into different topics from spiritual warfare to all the charity stuff we do. Um, uh, so Fellowship of the Martyrs is, is the main site for my books and, and all of my stuff. Back in, that started in 2005, and uh, we also um, have LibertyDisasterRelief.com. Uh, that is the outreach arm of the people that are here. Um, we have been running homeless shelter food pantry and other stuff off and on well those things continuously we've had thrift store and other things over the years um, right now we have uh, the Liberty Farm uh, outside of Liberty Missouri we have a 40 acre farm with a 20 acre cave underneath it a limestone mine Wow it's a horizontal cave you know drive trucks in and out not down you know coal mine mine and uh the limestone formations here around Kansas City, they mine them for the gravel and use it for concrete, and then they use them for dry storage or boat and RV storage or offices or whatever stuff. So we have like 30 or 40 of these giant uh, mines. Uh, we got about a million square feet Whoa. in ours, but we're one of the smallest ones. But miraculous stories how God the farm and paid the balloon payment five years into it that $250,000 we had no way of making and God did it at the last minute and um, uh, we wanted to build a village of tiny homes on the farm uh, we had been renting some houses in Liberty and um, uh, housing 50-60 people at a time and so the vision was to get the farm practice self-sufficiency uh, experiment with different kinds of growing things um, see what what we could do with the cave, and then build a village of tiny homes. And um, but we had to rezone it 
residential to do that and i mean we had a hundred angry neighbors with pitchforks show up at the zoning hearing with lawyers and all the stuff to try to stop us and uh uh anyway I think the church is manifested best when you're living in a community. Uh, house church is one thing, but it tends to just be big church one night of the week in somebody's living room, uh, miniaturized with a somebody somebody gives a sermon and somebody sings a song, and it's it's just it's just really no different than uh, than big church. But living in a community is a different thing altogether, and that's when you're daily from house to house, and there's accountability and, and support and love, and everybody's needs are getting met, and it's beautiful. Um, it's just that there's not a real good evangelical equivalent to community. If we were nuns making fruitcake, uh, we'd have probably not had any problem with zoning, but when you're evangelical Christians living in a community, everybody just thinks you're Waco. And uh, so you automatically have to deal with the demons whispering to them of, you know, well, they're going to put up gun turrets and, and, you know, tip your cows and hurt your property property values and whatever. Anyway, we went around for like a year and a half fighting, fighting, fighting with zoning and neighbors, even, even First Amendment freedom of religion stuff. And until we just gave up and there was a mobile home park about a half a mile from the farm. And the old guy that that had owned it for years uh, was trying to clear out some old mobile homes and get rid of drug dealers and clean it up so he could sell it and retire. And he gave us a half a dozen old mobile homes if we would rehab them and put Christians in them. Wow. So we, we were able then to house everybody there. And uh, a lady in New York donated some money, so we bought four or five others. So now we have a, a, about 11 or 12 mobile homes the ministry owns where we house people. Plus, other people have moved here to be a part of the ministry from all over that bought their own mobile homes or have a house in town or got an apartment or other stuff. So um, it's really cool on a Sunday night. We get together at the farm, sit around the bonfire with a duck on your lap and a puppy walking by and have dinner together and um, fellowship around the fire and pray for each other. And and, uh, it's the best church I've ever been to. Man, that's amazing. Wow. Wow wonderful wonderful people that have come here from all over that have been hurt by church have been chewed on by pastors or whatever a lot of a very high level uh prophetic apostolic kind of people that never fit in anywhere but uh want an opportunity to minister so um in um uh, i'll tell you a great story you've never heard uh I love stories tell me in uh, October of 21, we were kind of mid-COVID. Businesses are shutting down everywhere. Restaurants are going out of business. And God told us to start a thrift store. And uh, we didn't have any money. We just live on faith all the time. You know, I don't preach the tithe. I, I don't think 10% is what God wants. God wants 100%. And uh, uh, But we just depend on him and have since 2006 when I walked away from my multi-million dollar business uh, to do this. And uh, uh, he says, uh, it's time for a thrift store. And we've done a couple of a couple of times before. We'd, we we had a free store uh, way back in the beginning, and nobody understood that because why do they want it if it's trash? And we just had a, a fish, uh, a jar at the on the counter up front and said, you know, if you – 
if you take a pair of jeans and they're good, you know, give us whatever you think it's worth that help you out. And they, they couldn't, it didn't process. So we're like, okay, we're a thrift store that charges a nickel. Oh, that's a great deal. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. <laughs> wow. So, uh, anyway, a couple of different incarnations of the thrift store where we had food pantry and would help people and give away a lot of stuff. And, and it was never about making money. It was really just an excuse to get people there so you could pray for them and hold their hand and have a shoulder for them to cry on and uh, really caring for a community. So anyway, October of 21, I get up one morning and God says it's time for a thrift store. So I go looking around town for spaces in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, which is outside of Liberty, which is where the, the mobile homes and uh, are, even though the farm's out in the county. Anyway... I'm looking at spaces around town, and uh, uh, this one's not going to work. And there was a little church that would have been available, but the parking lot's not big enough. And uh, we actually put a deposit, and then he changed his mind and gave it back. It felt really bad. And I'm like, look, we prayed God would stop it if it was the wrong thing, and he did. So why feel bad? Anyway, we looked at a space. It was right next to Tractor Supply in a part of an old Walmart. And it had been a thrift store three or four years before. Uh, and about 3,000 square feet in, in a little space off to one end of this big building. And I called the realty guy from the number in the window, and he came out to meet us. And we look at the space, and he's walking us to the back of the of the of what was the thrift store, and there's just a hole in the drywall that opens to this big warehouse. And we crawl through between the studs and the drywall, and there's another 12,000-something square feet back behind there. Whoa. That runs all down the back of the Walmart, uh, the old Walmart. And uh, I said, this is humongous. I mean, it's just cavernous, 22-foot-tall uh, open warehouse space. And uh, he says, well, I'd like to rent the whole thing. It's been sitting here empty for six or seven years back here. Um and uh, I, I told him what we wanted to do. The vision God had given us was a community storehouse. Now, they call it a thrift store because nobody understands what a community storehouse is. But in Malachi, it says to bring your meat to the storehouse, one of the most abused passages in the Bible. You're cheating God because you're not bringing your meat to the storehouse. Well, that's not about, about getting a, a jet plane for the pastor. That's about meat to the storehouse because that was the social security safety net for the poor. And when you brought your offering to the priest, uh, it wasn't all consumed on the altar. It was cooked. And that leg of lamb or whatever was to feed the Levites, but the extra would go to the poor. And, um, and so the, our vision was for a place where we could collect all kinds of stuff from the community and get it back out to the people in the community that needed it. And like the apostles did in Acts chapter 6, because they could be trusted with stuff. You know, it doesn't matter how much money somebody gives me. I got the same two pair of jeans and three pair of shoes, living in one of the mobile homes, living simply, you know, eating from the food pantry. Uh, I'm never going to have a jet plane unless it can carry a lot of grain to Africa or something. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we're talking to the realty guy and uh, he says, I like what you're doing. 
Uh, if you'll take the space as is, and I don't have to do any improvements, do a three-year lease, I'll just charge you for the front. I'll give you the back for free. I'll give you four months free to get you going and no security deposit. Well, that sounds like God right there. <laughs> and, right. Uh, you know, it's still, it's still like $3,000, a month, which is a chunk. For our budget, we're $100,000, $150,000 a year ministry. So adding another $30,000, $40,000 a year is a big leap of faith but if i got four months free to get it going i i can get that done you know so um and we don't have any inventory we got shelving and stuff left from the last thrift store but uh nothing really to fill the space and uh, and we fight uphill with this town because of all this stuff people have said and bad reputation or whatever with people not understanding what we're trying to do anyway so i said let let us go home and pray about it so Cindy and I, my wife Cindy and I come home, an hour later, God says, I'll pay for it, sign the lease. So I call the guy and say, we're good, print it up. Uh, so I've committed to the space, I haven't signed anything, we don't have keys, we don't have an occupancy permit. Two hours later, okay, this is all one day, from go get a thrift store, two hours later, I get an email from a logistics center warehouse on the other side of Kansas City says we have 600 pallets of paper towels and toilet paper we'd like to donate to you. Wow. Well, 600 pallets is 30 semi-trailers. Woo! Uh, I think it's bogus. This is completely unsolicited. I did, I don't know them from nobody. I think it might be bogus. So I call the guy. This is a like a Thursday night. And uh, he replies to me a, a, an hour or two later, says, I'm so, I was in a movie. I'm sorry. Yes, this is absolutely for real. I work for a giant telecom, just merged with another giant telecom in Kansas City. We got too much stuff. There's actually lots of other stuff. If you can take it, I'll send you a manifest uh, uh, spreadsheet in the morning. So the next morning, I get an email. It's not 600 pallets. It's 1,700 pallets. Good grief. And it's not just paper towels and toilet paper. There's uh, hand soap and disinfectant and masks and goggles and aprons and gloves and spray bottles and uh, measuring spoons and funnels and all kinds of stuff. And he's been he's been trying to find ministries and nonprofits all over to donate it to, and they're like, "Well, I'll take three cases." And he's like, "No, you got to take it all." And nobody had room for it. Nobody would do it. Well, I got you know three hundred thousand square feet in the cave with lights. Plus this new warehouse we just got, I got pallet racking and everything else, and so I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. So within 24 hours of looking at the space, I gotta I gotta find a forklift. I gotta start renting trucks to haul it, and you can't rent a semi anywhere in the fall of 21. There was shipping container ships off every coast that can't get unloaded. So we rented two big yellow Penske trucks at Home Depot. And we were back and forth twice a day to 45 minutes on the other side of town with full, probably oversized, shouldn't have been on the highway loads uh, for eight weeks. It took us to move it all. Wow. And it ended up being 900 pallets of stuff. And uh, we wrote them a tax receipt for $3 million. Uh, when we finished moving all that stuff in December, we opened the thrift store. And immediately, we were completely swamped with household goods and all the stuff for the thrift store. 
So we had that space filled to the rafters, pallet stacked three high with one little hallway to get to the emergency exit down the middle uh, in eight weeks. I mean, it was just God proving that you can't build barns faster than he can fill them. Uh, the, we, the fire marshal showed up and hit the roof. He's like, no way, no how can you have this much stuff in this space? Your sprinklers can't handle this load. There's, you, you've got to have walkways. You can't do this. You got to get a bunch of this out of here. And, uh, you know, I have probably 300 pallets of hand sanitizer that you can't give away. Nobody wants it. There's a glut in the market of it. But you know what? It burns in a tiki torch, and you could heat over it or cook food over it. Right. And uh, if somebody donated a deuce and a half, we could run it for fuel. Uh, so I'm just going to store it till after the giant earthquake or whatever's coming that we need it for because, you know, it's flammable and we'll use it for something. But uh, uh, little by little, we've been giving away a lot of it. We've been selling off some of it. Uh, we have all that stuff in the thrift store for cheap people can buy if they want a, a hand soap or a pump bottle of whatever disinfectant. But, uh, uh, you know, after that, then other stuff started coming, corporate donations and, um, and, and people bringing stuff, you know, today I was walking around, uh, we, we moved every, we, in the warehouse, we moved stuff over to one side of the warehouse on Thanksgiving, we fed 150 people uh, at, for Thanksgiving that didn't have anywhere to go. And so everybody kind of pitched in and, and uh, you know, who's going to cook a turkey, who's going to cook a whatever kind of potluck. But uh, uh, our, our little assembly brought the food. It was totally free, advertised. Anybody wants to come, come. And we, we fed 120 or so people in the warehouse. Amazing. And then took all the leftover food and made to-goes and drove all over town, wherever God said, you know, to the bus station or just go knock on a door and hand it to this family that's hungry or whatever. And uh, we do this every year uh, usually, but um, it's been really beautiful when you just, you know, I, I dare anybody listening, get a gallon of milk, get in your car and say, Lord, who do you want me to give it to? And shut up and listen. And whatever happens, it will be amazing and beautiful, and you'll be telling people in tears the story later. Doug, this is an exciting testimony you're giving. Um, I had no idea, man. The cave. I've seen yeah. these things, um, like at Iron Mountain and these other corporations, you know. Um, they put all types of archives down there because it's just a perfect environment for temperature right. and maintain it, you know. What a blessing. Listen, that's not an accident that uh, God sure. gave you all that land. Uh, I believe there's a bigger, well, he, he, bigger purpose in he the He told us days. 10 years before we were getting a farm and we were getting a cave. And uh, we have, the farm was never a production farm. It was to learn to grow stuff. We, we grew spirulina in tanks for a while. We grew oh, really? uh, rabbits for meat. We had a couple hundred rabbits at a time. Wow. We grew catfish in tanks inside the cave for a while. Um, Amazing. We did a mobile petting zoo with the little animals. We'd go out to birthday parties and church events with a little the little donkey and the goats and the sheep and the whatever. Oh, boy, I learned a lot raising goats and sheep. I'm telling you what. 
<laughs> if you want the gospel to come alive, just be a farmer that has sheep and goats, and you'll figure out real quick how wicked the goats are and how stupid the sheep are. <laughs> you ever have any of those little pygmy goats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Now, That's you're you're in Missouri. and dwarfs we, we took to the petting zoos. Liberty, Missouri, man. There's freedom there. Uh, folks, we're yeah. talking with Doug Perry, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. Let me back you up a minute. Um, how did you come upon the name of fellowshipofthemartyrs.com? I have a guess, but tell me. I In 2004, I was writing... I, I read a book called Revolution and World Missions by K.P. Yohannan from Gospel for Asia. And they train up native missionaries in India and Myanmar and China and places that cost about $1,000 a year, where sending a Western missionary couple costs $100,000 a year. And these guys are 100 times more effective. So I'm just doing the math thinking, you know, Anyway, he talked in there about a lot of the numbers about the church, that that basically in Christianity, we spend 95% of all the money on the people that are already Christians. We spend less than 1% in the 1040 window, which is the 10th to the 40th parallel, North Africa and Asia, and the most unevangelized part of the world, we spend less than 1% of the money. And uh, he mentioned a book called uh, The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun, uh, about the underground house church movement in China. Brother Yun is wow. uh, 10 years older than me. He lives in Germany now, but he was the most wanted man in China, probably responsible for 10 million people coming to Christ, and uh, broken out of high security prisons, and all kind of amazing testimony in this book called The Heavenly Man. And uh, so I read that. I, I, I'm, I'm a academic kind of a guy so uh, when somebody has uh you know references quotes this book bibliography i want to go read all the stuff they quoted make sure they quoted it right right and uh uh another book uh i went and bought this hundred dollar great big book uh called uh the summary of the annual christian mega census and uh, reviews uh christian history from eighty thirty to current and it talks all about every year there's a census in Christianity, uh, over 3,000 languages, uh, almost a billion dollars of staff time to fill out all these questionnaires. And they all get summarized and stuck in a file cabinet until these guys decided to write a book about it and summarize it. And it's horrifying, horrifying. We start a new, new denomination every 48 hours. There's over 45,000 denominations in Christianity. Uh, we couldn't be more divided. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's just supernaturally stupid because nobody's this stupid. We oh, we spend sixteen billion dollars on foreign missions, but we spend eight billion dollars going to conferences to talk about how to spend the sixteen billion dollars. Good grief! No sales force on the planet could survive that. Uh, no company anywhere is that idiotic. Uh, it, it's supernaturally stupid. I, this is how I came to the, the conclusion that there's a delusion uh, because there's no other explanation for how ridiculously uh, foolish the whole system is. Anyway, uh, so one of, the first book I wrote is called uh, The Open Letter of Apology to the World, and it, it goes through a lot of these statistics and, and includes the apology letter I wrote for ever being a part of a system that grieved God and hurt so many people. 
and my commitment to do something different. And so all of this, the, the, the thrift store, the food pantry, being in community, all of that is, is, is me being faithful to the commitment I made in 2004 to try something different than building another pole barn with a pointy thing on top. And uh, anyway, and I say that with love because, you know, <laughs> we're all dying. That's amazing. Uh, anyway. Testimony. i got to get some of these books because, uh, you know, I, I share the same view with you that, uh, you know, you look at uh, most church today. Most of them are not doing what Jesus did. Um, how many people are being saved through their ministries? Probably not many. And you see some church growth, and it may be just people moving from one church to another yep. part of town and just going where everybody's going, and then you think, well, God's blessing them. Well, not not so quick. How many people are getting saved? How many people are getting yeah, delivered? No. How many healing testimonies? Well, I, I, can give you, I can give you statistics for that if you like. There was a report that the Southern Baptist Convention, okay, one of the most evangelical, share your faith, go knock on doors. I grew up, my dad was Southern Baptist pastor. I grew up a missionary kid in Mexico. One of the, one of the denominations that's the most active about sharing your faith, in 2022, over a third of all the Southern Baptist churches did not have a single baptism. Wow. 30, oh yeah, over a third. And, and, and this is, we're not talking about Lutherans, uh, you know, Episcopalians. This, this is Baptists, man. They were used to be really serious. I remember in the youth group, every Thursday night, we'd be out knocking on doors. Right. Uh, anyway, it, it, the, the, the Baptists, the Southern Baptists are losing a million people a year. Uh, Almost all of the Western denominations are losing people. George Barna, who's a statistician for the church, talks about uh, how bad it's getting. Uh, almost completely, when kids get to be 18 and they don't have to go to church anymore, they don't. And and that's across pretty much all the denominations. Um, they they At the same time, there's these people on YouTube that call themselves light workers that are having dreams and visions and nobody's there to train them up nobody they're like well maybe it's the holy spirit maybe it's it's crystals or frequencies or you know i don't know i just seem to know stuff well yeah it says god's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh it doesn't say all flesh that goes to church on sunday and then you got to figure out okay how 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 do i manage this why am i seeing demons and who's here to and whole whole generations that we've told them? Oh no, that stuff's not real, or God doesn't talk to you, or dreams. Sorry. And then when they're having them, we just throw them out, or they just leave because they know that you know there's no answers there, there's no power sitting in the pews, and no likelihood of there going to be any. Um, and and so they're out there. And it's it's kind of like the seventies. I had lunch with a guy that was one of the first house chaperones for Keith Green um, that God sent him here to Excelsior Springs uh, when I was a kid to start a coffee shop and pray for me and lay hands on me way back in the day um, in 82, 83. Anyway, um, 
it was it was a time after Vietnam or right at the end of Vietnam when everybody was really hungry for something, and mostly the churches didn't have any answers. And it took somebody like Calvary Chapel, or at the time, not that they're a shadow of what they were, uh, that was like, okay, we don't care if you come barefoot. We'll meet you where you are and answer your questions and 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 show you some real power and conviction and see that God heals people and the gifts are real and whatever. Um, right. It's bad. It's bad out there, man. It's it, it. If you put on real spiritual goggles and scan the horizon, the church is just a terminator post-apocalyptic wasteland of skulls being crunched under demon feet everywhere you look it is it is just horrifying you know i was reading uh one time and and it says that uh the presence of God comes out of the temple and calls the mighty men of the city with slaughter weapons in their hand and says, go through the city and kill every man, woman, and child that doesn't, that isn't weeping for the sad state of things and pile their bodies in the temple. And they go through the city and come back and say, we've done as you said, and the glory of God leaves the temple. And, and he says, put a mark on the forehead of those that are weeping and mourning and repenting. Everybody else is a dead body in a defiled temple. And I was reading that one time, and I'm like, Lord, uh, this is horrible. He says, you know, I already did that. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, all your temples are full of dead bodies. I'm like, oh, man, they are. They totally are. The glory left. You know, he says, two things do I have against you. That you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you built cisterns for yourself that leak. What is a church except uh, something that's supposed to hold the Holy Spirit that doesn't? And and, and you think we're going to, you know, we're going to put on some music on Sunday morning and get him to come back for half an hour, and then it's going to leak again. Uh, It's a a horrifying state of affairs. And there's people been hurt all over. And I wrote the Apology of the World letter because... You can't just walk up to people and say, hey, do you want to come to church? When the priest grabbed their butt or the pastor mowed down their house to build a bigger parking lot or something else, they're mad at Jesus. And we need to disconnect. The point of my letter is, look, I acknowledge we did you wrong, but don't blame Jesus. This wasn't his idea. We did this. He's wonderful. He's beautiful, and you should listen to the people that love him and don't love churchianity. And we've got to disconnect. There's so many people hurt. We've got to say we're sorry and get them to stop being mad at Jesus. Uh, and, and, and if they want to be mad at the church, fine. Be mad at the church. Just don't be mad at Jesus. This is not what he wanted. And and so that's the point of our ministry, the point of everything I've been saying all these years is just that, you know, at some point, the Lord is going to hit everybody hard enough that that they're going to hit their knees and say, oh, shoot, I get it. What we built grieved you this whole time. We've spent our whole lives 
in Sunday school and ski trips and pizza parties and whatever else and deacon meetings and all of it is dung and we hurt a lot of people. And maybe if enough of us say that, hit our knees, cry like babies, he'll turn and heal the land. But so long as we think if we could just have a better singing Christmas tree laser light show and cooler child care, then more people would come and we could make this thing profitable. You know, it's... It, anyway. Right on target. So, You know, Doug, uh, I grew up in the church of the 70s. Both my grandfathers were uh, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee pastors, loved Jesus, sang the old songs, there's power in the blood, the old rugged cross. We read the King James Bible. They had altar calls. I remember what it was like to be in the house of God. I knew I was meeting God. It was a holy place. You didn't have pastors wearing skinny pants, holes in the knees, coming in there and looking like they came out of a gym or the, you know, they're trying to be a James Dean with a leather jacket. You came in your best on Sunday to meet God. And some people didn't have the best, you know. So they came, you know, in a in a white t-shirt and a pair of pressed pants. You know, some people were po. Um, you come you come the best you, you could to meet the Lord. There was a respect for the Lord that I don't see today. So I, I remember the church of the 70s and the 80s up until about the mid-90s. And I didn't go to church anymore. And... Uh, when I see a church today, I don't even recognize it. It's not the same music. People come in there with coffee right into the sanctuary of God like they're going to a concert. Uh, it's like a uh, musical performance. The music does nothing for me. I'm sorry, maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm an endangered species. Uh, very little word of God, if any, I just see compromise over it. It's not this church that I grew up in. And uh, I've been to the Baptist churches. I remember uh, going to uh, vacation Bible school at Wyoka Baptist Church in Atlanta, and they took us up on a field trip to, uh, um, I don't know if it's the Southern Baptist Convention, who it was that they're part of, but it was a big headquarters for Baptist missions worldwide. Uh, a real tall building in downtown Atlanta. And I know the Baptist people love the Lord. They were heavy in missions in. I've been to Assemblies of God churches. But the stuff today, man, it just makes me sick. In fact, the music is so loud. I've tried to go into some places here in Bali where I live. The music, they copy everything we're doing back in America. It's so loud, it hurts my eardrums. I have to yeah. go out and sit outside until the music's over. And then you, you come in and... Uh, I don't know, brother. I, it was like that something happened. Let me. Let well, me I, I, I tell you what. I, I I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, you you respond. Go ahead. What are you going to say? I I I I grew up in in Mexico, where in every village there's a big cathedral covered in gold that took 200 years to build on the backs of the peasants. Wow. And and the buildings are built so as to create a sense of awe and space so that you think, wow, God is big. Look how high the ceiling is. This is, 
you're in the presence of God and it's really just architecture and we can invoke emotion with smells with with music with uh, you know all kinds of stuff and uh, you talk about dressing up for church but I know a lot of people found Jesus in jail oh sure and and uh, and that little that little Bible study that they had in cell block whatever um, was 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 where they met him and he moved on their heart and 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 uh, and it was holy. Yes. So I I I know that I think what's missing is community. Whether it's in the cell block or Mayberry, we got to be big city, and then there's then everybody's a stranger, everybody's a number. There's no accountability. You know, when you're in a small town church, you're going to see that guy on Friday night. He's going to know you were at the bar. He's going to—they're going to hear you smacking your wife around from next door. You know, there's 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 uh, reasons to behave uh, if you want to keep your job and not be ostracized by the whole community. And and you see that—that's uh, uh, a big part of the Old Testament. You know, where they're like in front of everybody take him out and whoop him or throw him out of the assembly because she spit in her father's face make her go outside the camp for seven days before she can come back you know that because because we are sheep and because that's important and when you scrub that out i think the main cause of homelessness is the destruction of family and destruction of community because oh, sure. used to be crazy uncle ed would be up in the attic or something somebody take him in and and when that erodes uh, then there's there's no safety net inside the family or inside the church for those pe- folks. They just end up out in L.A. or San Francisco or wherever it's warm, and um, and and you know on drugs on whatever. There's lots of causes. I'm not saying, but I, I think one of the main the one of the main ways you can help people that are that are in that kind of circumstance is to is to restore community, and that can be artificial. Where you just have, you know, like with us, folks living together, watching out for each other. You know, I can take three uh, uh, older ladies that get five, $600 a month in Social Security and cannot possibly survive on their own. We took in a couple, was living in a used store at Locker that had a, a little light bulb, and they would plug in a microwave and a lamp and live inside that used store at Locker. Right. And that's all they could afford. And they finally got thrown out of there, and a little small-town pastor took him in, but he was in a rental, and his landlord wouldn't let him keep him. So they came and stayed with us, and they were here till the husband died of cancer wow. five or six years later. And then the wife died probably two years. She was probably with us for 10 years. And if I take three of those ladies that each make $500 and put them in one apartment together, one or two of them have a car. They can help each other get around between them they can cover the bills and the utilities yes and and uh between us and the food pantry and the clothes at the thrift store and whatever we can eliminate a lot of their budget items so that they can't afford their prescriptions or whatever and and that's what the church ought to be doing and what it did in the book of acts when you share with each as they have a need then nobody's got a slave for the man to barely make ends meet you know and, and Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, stop conforming to the world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, the church across Christianity, 
we buy just as much fur coats and big screen TVs and Cadillacs as the world does. You know, in fact, when the Southern Baptist Convention, the National Convention, comes into a city, rental rates for porn in the hotels all increase. Right. You know, how, how's God going to bless that when we're just as much a part of it as they are? we got a big and, problem, Doug, because um, I can tell you right now, I can count at least two right now that I know. Um, some listen to the show off and on as they've got internet capability. They're living in their cars right now. I've been living for years. Yeah. And I'm... Uh, I'm like, uh, dang, who can I think of that has a ministry that can help them and take them in? I don't know yeah. anybody. I, I didn't know anybody. I'm learning a lot more about your ministry tonight. And it's sad because there's mega churches out there that could be helping these people. You know, the, the, oh, message, sure. the message has changed. I don't hear the gospel being preached by and large. There's no signs following them that believe by and large. So what are you left with? And... You can have a big church like Lakewood. Was it Lakewood down there, uh, Joel Osteen Church? That yeah. you know, during one of the uh, the floods over there, they were closed, and there was yeah. enough uproar that finally they opened up their uh, their place that was still dry and let some people come in, and they had plenty of room to put some cots here temporarily. Not saying you had to sure. house people permanently. Um, they could. You know, his dad more. was the real deal. His oh, yeah. dad, it was, had a vision for the Astrodome. To be a church, and uh, he he didn't he wasn't really willing to risk to risk that much, so they ended up in compact stadium, a basketball stadium instead of football stadium. But 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 the first thing when Joel took over from his dad, there was a thousand missionaries sponsored by that church that he called them all back and cut the funding. Wow! So they could remodel compact stadium. Oh my goodness! Uh, so that that's shameful. That the churches aren't helping because uh, the Lord told us to remember the widows, the orphans. Um, uh, if you give a child even a cup of cold water, the name of a disciple, you'll know why is lose your reward. Would help the poor and the needy. In fact, there's a yeah. curse on us if we don't. Yeah. If we go by them I, when we could help them, uh, I love what you're doing. I tell people I wish I wish that in the back of the Wall Street Journal there was the stocks, the mutual funds, and the ministries. And you could see how much treasure in heaven you were getting per dollar wow. that you donated to First Baptist Dallas with a million-dollar chandelier or this one that has a $2 million pipe organ or whatever. Hydraulic choir lofts at Lakewood that go up and down with fountains and stuff. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that... And, and I blame the business guys, frankly, because the pastors went to seminary, cemetery to learn which are just schools of opinion right <laughs> galatians 6 says that those that heresies to avoid heresies a heresy is a school of opinion what is a seminary except where you go to learn why you're smarter than the guys at the other seminary you they, it's not the pastor's fault what they know how to do is build these things and and keep talking a lot but the but the deacons are doctors and lawyers and business guys that donate to keep this whole machinery running Right, And one of these days, those guys that gave hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars are going to find out that they got nothing for it. Wow. That, that there is no treasure in heaven stored up waiting for them despite all of that because all they did was build a club, was build a, a feel-good, come-together, get-entertained club. And the poor weren't, all the stuff, Jesus, I was in prison, you visited me, I was hungry and you fed right. me, I was naked and you clothed me, and that stuff mostly isn't happening. 
Absolutely not. Folks, we're live with Doug Perry of fellowshipofthemartyrs.com if you're just tuning in. Doug, let me ask you this question. Um, and it's not a uh, salvation doctrine. So people, a lot of people don't agree with my opinion. I know Jesus said to occupy till he comes. And I've read the Bible and I see um, what Jesus has said regarding persecution and tribulation are coming. Uh, Paul said through much persecution and tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. I believe that uh, the stage is set right now through the emergence of this World Economic Forum and they just had their COP28 meeting and you got the WHO and all these groups trying to cut these treaties to control the world. Um, I think that uh, we're on the fast track for the tribulation period. If I'm wrong and we get out here early, well, praise God, I won't find anybody for that. But I think that Christians will go through the tribulation and most of us will probably be martyred or those who are not willing to die for Christ will tap out and take that mark. Do you see that as a possibility for the church? Or do you think that we're approaching the time that the Bible talks about war on the saints? Uh, do you think that Christians will go through the tribulation? Um, I know the Lord's coming back one day. I believe he comes back at the last trump immediately after the tribulation days. Now, that's my opinion based on the way I read the word. And if that's the case, I'm thinking, dear God, who's talking about in the mainstream church? If we're getting ready to be persecuted like people are being persecuted right now in the underground churches around the world, North Korea, China, where you could be arrested, shot, uh, killed for the faith, all your family thrown into jail too. What are we doing to prepare people to endure to the end so they don't get offended when these things come for the cause of Christ? That's a, that's a big mouthful, but um, I'm looking at the events even going on right now, brother. You know, we've seen what has happened in the last four years. I think there was an election still, if you ask me. I think that everything that they've tried to pin on Trump, you know, insurrection, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats were uh, guilty of, but I don't think the Democrats are going to go quietly. I'm asking myself the question today, what false flag is being prepared next, January 6th style, so that either there's not an election or the Democrats never have to leave the office. We've got millions of people coming through the border. And I can't even get my Indonesian wife in unless I apply for a nine-month waiting period. And maybe they'll approve me to bring in for 60 days. I mean, we might as well just go in tomorrow and claim that we're Chinese. And, you know, we want to seek asylum. And I'll help yeah, tell her to call her Hire a coyote. Um, what the hell is going on? I don't think – I think that um, – Okay. That, We're in trouble. That you're already at 14 different questions. We're in trouble. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's far worse than you know. Mm. Uh, let me let me let me let me let me start three steps before you. Judgment begins at the house of God, and judgment always starts spiritually before it rolls out into the natural. Okay. Just like sin. I didn't sin when I robbed the bank. I sinned when I decided to rob the bank. You know what I mean? I sinned when I thought of my neighbor's wife, not when I actually did something with her. It already was in motion. It was already an accomplished thing, and I'm already guilty of it. And I believe that, that the faction and the division 
and the, the, the finger pointing and the hating your brother. God says, if you don't love your brother, the love of God is not in you. He says that, that because you don't rightly identify the body of Christ, some of you are taking communion unworthily, and because of that, you're sick and dying. How can you take communion worthily when you just split the church over the color of the carpet or because they're not using the correct version of the Bible or whatever else and refuse to talk to them people? Anyway, I believe that sometime in the 60s or 70s, when there was an explosion in denominationalism and the church got more and more factious and divisive and ugly with each other, that uh, God began hardening the hearts of the church. You know, curses, curses don't land on a nation because they invited Democrats. Curses land on a nation because the priests didn't do their job, because they didn't preach sin, and they get turned over to all of these things that we're seeing now. When a nation has a pride parade in the Old Testament, it's because the priests didn't do their job, because the nation turned away from God, and uh, that is the fault of, of uh, the people that have been called by God to be up front and to call them away from their sin and toward toward their Messiah. Anyway, I believe it talks about there's going to be this great falling away. And when I look around, I can't find anything but falling away. Right. And you can say, well, there, there's, there's lots of people still going to church. Okay, but what is it getting accomplished, and what are they doing? And do they really love him with all their heart? Or do they seek, I surrender some, some to Jesus, I surrender 10%. You know, uh, I rewrote a whole bunch of hymns. They're on the website. You can listen to them. Like, what if truth just came out of your mouth Sunday morning and you couldn't lie? You know, this is the show that the pastor planned. I'll rejoice and pretend I'm fed. You know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, just to make people think, you know, and... Uh, uh, red, yellow, black, and white. Jesus loves the little children, except the white ones have all the stuff. Uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, I think that spiritually uh, we fell. Now physically we're falling. More and more people are quitting the church, are leaving, are just giving up on the whole thing. Then it rolls out on a nation. Okay, I, I, the last five years, I'm watching, it used to be 10 years ago, 20 years ago, my distinguished uh, uh, congressman, uh, colleague from across the aisle, the, the right senator from whatever, now it's you racist, lying, homophobe, misogynist. You know, you know right. they can't even be polite to one another, where they're at least to be in public a pretend of getting along now they're just as vicious and ugly as they can be if you see them in a restaurant throw them out on the street or whatever that was never like that before you know but but where it was was in the church and i think we did this i think this is the church's fault i don't see the point of 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 churches going to a pride parade and carrying signs that say God hates fags when they're there because we don't preach sin, because we didn't do our job. It's true. They should be protesting the churches saying, you did this to us. 
you fell away from your God and brought curses on our nation, and because of that, we're twisted up, and you should say you're sorry. That's right. And and curses come on a nation when when we forget God, and the people that knew him are responsible. Not the people that didn't know him, that did what the world does. You know, I don't care. If two people want to have, have a, 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 a legal ability to go to the hospital and see the other person when they're in the hospital or inherit their stuff i don't care marry a robot marry your dog the world can do whatever the world wants to do but it's holy matrimony when god's in it and it's a strand of three chords anyway well you know um you're right i think i think we're in big 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 trouble now the Mm. good news is if the church is the body of christ it had to follow prophetically the same path as the physical body of Christ. It had to have a time of ministry and then be mocked, spit on, ripped into shreds, dripping little pieces all down the Via Dolorosa, go on the cross and die. Because you don't come out dressed in white without wrinkle or spot until you died first. And I think the bride is dead. I think he killed it. I think division and faction and delusion, this absolute prideful surety that you're right and everybody else is wrong the, the, I call it the red dragon I've got a book about this delusion the Lord showed me is what he used to kill it and I think the bride right now is in the tomb and it says it didn't suffer decay his body didn't suffer decay and there's little cells uh, of uh, waking back up scales falling off their eyes and 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 arteries and veins beginning to flow the new wine from from uh, omega man to fellowship of the martyrs to whatever and it's not time yet for her to blow the door off and come out dressed in white but it's coming and we need to be encouraged the good news is there's not a one world government coming there's two one world governments coming it says we get a mark on our forehead and they get a mark on their forehead. As 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 Satan gets stronger and stronger and takes over more, so does Jesus. So we have these two stair-stepping uh, one-world governments in, in competition with each other, and we know who wins. So we're going to see the church come together just as we see the enemy side come together. Uh, back probably 10 years ago the Lord said you've got to pray against the second law of thermodynamics <laughs> Wow, that's I'm like deep. the what that's crazy that's like a basic law of physics that things <laughs> decay and break down if you if you take a ice cube and put it on the counter it's going to get lukewarm it's not going to stay frozen without incoming power it's not going to stay in that organized state it's going to wow. break down that's just a fundamental law of physics. And the Lord said it didn't used to be that way. Things didn't used to die. Things didn't used to break down. In the Garden of Eden, everything lived forever because he was powering the system continuously. The fridge was plugged in. But when sin came, it unplugged the system, and now everything is breaking down. You can't convince me that Adam or Enoch or those people were stupider than us, they were way smarter. And, right. and uh, you know, we're just racing toward idiocracy faster and faster around here. But anyway, uh, 
I, I believe entropy came uh, at the garden when sin entered the system. Spiritual entropy. People were killing their brothers. And then physical entropy came at Noah's, at Noah's Ark at the flood when the water canopy collapsed. Go read uh, Dr. Dino, Kent Hovind stuff on that. Yes. And then lifespans, you know, we're down to 70 years instead of hundreds of years because we don't have a water canopy over the earth that's protecting us from gamma rays and x-rays and, and UV rays and everything that kills us now. Uh, you know, reptiles never stop growing their whole lifespan. We have no idea what a 600-year-old iguana might look like. Anyway, so... Right. Might be a dinosaur. Makes sense to me. Uh... Linguistic, yeah, linguistic, but they each other. From going until then, everybody spoke the Adamic language, the one God, the one language God instituted that was hardwired in everybody. But at the Tower of Babel, he split it up. Now, any anthropologist or linguist will tell you that's not possible. You can't take a tribe in the Amazon, split it in half, move them 200 miles away, and a thousand years later, them understand each other. They will have a completely different language. But that wasn't happening on Earth. Even though they're spread out all over the Middle East, all over Asia and Africa and whatever, they all perfectly understood each other. Because it was still the Adamic language. But God split it up into little pieces. You got the clicks and whistles and you got the umlauts and you got the whatevers. And now they can't talk to each other anymore. And entropy entered the language. And and the Lord had me say, he said, you got to pray that this would stop. And I'm like, what? And he's like, look, the bad guys... How many times now have we had YouTube videos of people saying, you know, next month, next Thursday, this global currency's coming? Right. <laughs> you know, it's been years. Right. And, and and something happens where they can't get it done. Because entropy affects them too. They're having a hard time getting consensus, just like we're splitting up into denominations. There's all kinds of factions of Illuminati fighting with each other too. Oh yeah. And, and somehow that has to stop because somebody's going to have to rise up out of it and call them all together, and somebody's going to have to get ours all together. You know, but but the good news is, I think the church broke everything. I don't think we've done our job. We haven't reached the world. But Romans eight says that the earth is groaning and decaying, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Means when somebody starts really manifesting their sonship, it means that God is powering the system again. That the fridge is starting to get turned on, and that the power is returning, and things are going to start turning back to the way they were. That we're getting real close to Jesus coming and fixing everything. But I don't think you can get some. I I know pastors, sweet seminary trained. Bible trained, good families, nice guys, until you hit that one button, and then they will bite your face off and eject you with prejudice and think they're doing God a favor. Uh, something is going to have to happen that humbles them enough that they don't want to fight anymore. And I think it's going to require tribulation yes. for the Christians to say, Brother, I, I got a can of corn. Well, brother, I got a can of green beans. Can, can we just make soup and hide here until the police find us? You know, I love you. I love you. What version of the Bible you read? Shut up. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't have time. You know, 
it's, it takes, we uh, introduced it. The church in China didn't do this until we introduced denominationalism to them and, and said, we'll give you money if you use our quarterlies and defend our faith. They weren't like that. And then they had to go unravel it all because they realized how much harm it had done. You got a point. Through tribulation, you put your differences aside, and um, I think that uh, it's going to have to be tribulation on the church to whip it. How do you back get refined? Shape. How do you get dressed in white? Yes, you know, there's plenty of verses. I sit as a refiner's fire. Uh, he sits looking at the silver because you're applying fire to it, burning off stuff swooping off mm. the dross and throwing it away until he can see his reflection perfectly in the in the silver and then he knows it's sufficiently refined Whoa. but the silver's not happy <laughs> it's it's on fire man it's it's getting melted it's uncomfortable it doesn't want to have to go through that but there's no other way to get refined that's powerful you know as you were saying that i was just thinking do you think uh russian christians now meant that there's not a the that there's not the Soviet Union because at least the Christians were serious back then. Oh God have mercy, isn't that the truth? You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they took a stand. They said we will not bow our knee and even King, if God does not save us, uh we will still not bow yeah. to you. And they went through the fire. Do you think that's a type and shadow of the fiery furnace that we've got to go through too? And even if we have to lay our lives down with us, Jesus said he'll never leave and forsake us. Brother, I think that's got to happen. That's the only thing that's going to turn things around and, is and, persecution of the church. And they came out and didn't even didn't even smell like smoke when it was over. God have mercy. When they came out of that fiery first, didn't even smell the smoke on them. Yeah, absolutely. We have to. We have to go through that. There's plenty of types and shadows that 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 you know the whole argument that the Christians don't suffer tribulation is because we're not appointed to wrath. Well, I I agree we're not appointed to God's wrath, but we've always been appointed to the wrath of man and Satan. Exactly. There, there's never been an escape from that, and and the tribulation is is a lot of what the Georgia Guidestones and the Illuminati and everybody else have planned for us, and God's going to let them. Uh, uh, and, and it's for our good. Yes. And we're supposed to rejoice through it all. You know, uh, 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 back to the very first question. It's called Fellowship of the Martyrs because I was writing online about fraud and waste in the church. On I had a website called whathavewedone.org. And then I got filled with the Spirit, dramatically had a vision of how bad things are and how big a trouble we're in. And the Holy Spirit flipped me upside down, shook real hard, all the Baptists fell out. And immediately I started hearing God better, and he said, that was not my idea for the website. And I said, okay, what do you want? He said, Fellowship of the Martyrs. I'm like, whoa, well, that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, that's what the church is supposed to be. Those who will not back down, no matter what, if you put a gun to my head and say, deny Christ or I'll kill you, I'm like, dude, I've been dead for a while now. I'm barely here. I hate this nasty mud ball. I want out. If that's my bullet, I want it. And if it's not my bullet, you better pray hard because it's going to backfire and blow your face off. Because I got angels. I'm not a pacifist. They will cut you in half if you come after me and it ain't my time. But, right. dude, I hate this place. 
I, I, I want I want out of there. This veil of tears, the old Pentecostals used to call life, the veil of tears. We're just in and out of it as fast as blink of an eye, but it's nothing but ugly. And and I you you can look at a a, a, a hawk flying across a beautiful sunset and say God really made a beautiful creation. No, this is what's left after it's decayed for thousands of years. This isn't even close to how beautiful that sunset was when he first designed it and it was good. This is a rust bucket of ugliness. Now, I'm still grateful and I'm glad I get to breathe and I have arms and feet and whatever and can can do stuff for him. But this is nothing. I've been to heaven. I've seen angels. I've been to the throne. Wow. I had a Christophany where Jesus showed up in person and gave me a hug. I got wow. tons of uh, <laughs> scar tissue from this ride. And I'm telling you, this life is purple crayon on a dirty napkin from a bar compared to the reality of what's waiting for us. This is a cartoon in black and white, like watching Steamboat Willie or something, compared to heaven and what he has prepared for us. Uh, Folks, we're live with Doug Perry. A long time ago. Fellowship of the Martyrs, if you're just joining us. I'm keeping on the clock. We've got another 20 minutes, so we still got time, so take your time. Doug, continue. <laughs> a, a sister that was here years ago had a dream, and in the dream... Uh, everything was like Mad Max, Planet of the Apes, post-apocalyptic, gray, people bleeding, killing each other for a can of corn, uh, cities were half demolished, people sitting on the steps just broken and hurting and whatever. And down the middle of the street were two little kids dancing, and they would just sing and twirl, and the little girl was in a yellow a sundress and she would twirl to watch her skirt rise up and and the little boy was spotless there was not a bit of dust or blood or dirt on him and they would sing and dance through the middle of town and immediately people were like this is completely incongruous where did they come from what are they doing why are they happy i want to kill them but if you looked them in the eye they were like a thousand years old and you knew you couldn't hurt them and there were people that are like, I want that. Wherever they got that, I want some of that. And they would follow them, and these little kids would lead them out of town and down a path to the valley where life. And then these two little kids would go back up the secret trail into the city and see if anybody else, they could lead anybody else out of there. And she had this dream. She didn't know what to make of it. And we, we came together as a group. And the Lord said, this is the bride and the man-child during tribulation. This is what you're supposed to be. So otherworldly, rejoicing in all things, grateful, knowing that the battle's won, knowing what side you're on. And even while people are trying to kill you, even while they're dying out next to you, though a thousand fall on your right hand and ten thousand on your left hand, they will follow. Some <coughs> will follow, and you can lead them to that place where there's where there's peace and there's rejoicing and there's provision and there's protection. And I, I make no apologies about that. My goal is to raise up those people that will be the shiniest, 
most God-lovingest singing and rejoicing of anybody in the FEMA camp. <laughs> you know, I, I want to raise up people that are in line for the guillotine and are so shiny and so full of Jesus, the guy pulling the lever gets in line behind him because he wants that. Wow. So I tell people, what do you have to do now in your life so that you can be that person when the time comes? How, how do you need to change? What do you need to stop doing? How holy do you need to be? How much do you need to be in touch with Jesus? How can you get your cup full and keep it full so that it can f- splash out the top of your cup on everybody around you in a circumstance like that? Because that's what we need to get ready for. It's, it's not... It's not even figuring out who's more evil, the Republicans or the Democrats. You know what? There, there's not a war between good and evil, Shannon. There's not a war between good and evil. There's a war between good and we are constantly stuck at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, arguing about who's eviler and who's gooder instead of perfect and life and love and liberty. And when we get to that place, there is uh, the old Pentecostals, the Wesleyans, other groups through history have taught that there's salvation, there's water baptism, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the second blessing, or the baptism of fire, or consecration, or sanctification, or whatever different groups called it. But that it's a real place where Satan's under your feet. And you're no longer attracted to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You just want to live in the tree of life and put a hammock there and stay there. And and when you hit that place, then nothing matters anymore. And it's you're not satisfied with, well, Trump is the best of the available options. No, I want Jesus. Right. Oh, right. You know, man, man is never going to be enough. I don't trust me. Why should I trust you or him or anybody? I I just want Jesus, and and everything else is just dung. It's just, uh, 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 anyway. So, uh, I know we we've got to get people to that place where you know. Well, so and so said, I don't care. What did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said everything's going to be all right. People are all the time coming to me. I'm really worried about uh, my daughter and whether she's going to be able to get out of jail. Could you pray with me about this? And I'm like, okay, Lord, do you want her worried? Wait, wait no, you don't need to pray about that. I know I'm not supposed to be worried. Well, then stop being worried. <laughs> Why don't you just ask him how to feel and then shut up and feel however he tells you? <laughs> because he's the one that's right. You're the one that's wrong. So, you know, how should I feel about this election that's coming up? I don't know, Lord. How should I feel? Don't worry. I got it. Okay. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, if, if he true. says to go to go be a judge and, and watch the election, then do that. If he says to go on vacation, don't worry about it, then don't worry about it. But, but he didn't give us a spirit of fear, so it's a spirit, and it's not from him. So why am I going to give it a second of my life, you know? Uh, Very true. So uh, anyway, no, that's a man. That's a powerful word there tonight. Um, yes, yeah, it's all coming. It's all coming. Harperay and and wormwood and more diseases and whatever. I got two hundred fifty thousand masks <laughs> stored up <laughs> in the warehouse. 
in the if you need some. You know what? Hey, uh, what if that's a witnessing care. tool? I don't care. He's going to provide whatever we need when we need it. What if God has set you up for the ultimate witnessing tool? Uh, come here and get your free. Uh, yeah, hand yeah, but I get to go be with Jesus. You know, I'm indestructible. I, right. I waded into knife fights. I've I've dealt with all kinds of stuff. Uh, I had a guy that we took in that was out of a supermax for killing a cop. Wow! And we were walking through Walmart, and I said something like, "You know, tell you what, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and don't tell me what to do." And I didn't think anything about it, but that'll get you shanked in a in a prison. <laughs> and he didn't say anything. We come back home. And the next day, the other guys are coming to me saying, uh, you got back from Walmart, and he came and told us, we were in Walmart, and Doug disrespected me, and I was going to crawl up on him and kill him right where he stood, but a big angel bear-hugged me and slapped a hand over my mouth, and I couldn't say a word, don't mess with Doug, he's got big angels. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I don't know if you remember, one of the first things you told me when I was on your show the first time, do you remember? Probably Joe. not. You, you, I got on your show, and you said, Doug, I had a guy on my show last night, and we were doing some deliverance, and I was talking to his demon, and I said, hey, demon, what do you think of my guest tomorrow, Doug Perry? And the demon said, Doug Perry's a terrorist! <laughs> you, you remember Lord have mercy and I I, that's exactly what I want them to think yes. I want to be on the most wanted list in hell's mail you know Ab- <laughs> on the wall down there at uh, uh, their post office I, I want you know because you know the most dangerous person to Satan on the planet is whoever has the biggest cup of Jesus Wow! Because there's nothing about me or you that's dangerous. I can't rebuke him in the name of Shannon. That's and right. You can't rebuke him in the name of Doug. It, it, whoever's got the most peace is the one hearing God the best. Oh man, I love that. I'm writing that down for our show. Title. I got this. It's under control. I know what I'm doing. Everything's going to be okay. And the if most- you're hearing something else, it's not him. That's right. Are we going to believe the word of God? Are we going to go by our emotions and walk? Are we going to walk by faith or by sight? No, I tell you, uh, fear has crippled people. Has put oh, yeah. them out of the fight. They're doing nothing right now. I I was crippled by fear, and the Lord had to set me free. You know, it was only about a month ago that the Lord delivered me of uh, tuning into a lot of programs that were just. Uh, given the report on what the New World Order has next. I mean, I already know what's happening and what's going to happen. But I kept watching it. And I'll tell you what, heaviness would come on me in despair and despondency. And it was like, dang, what can we do about it? And uh, I was reading the Bible one night, and the Lord directed me to this verse. It's uh, Proverbs 29, 25. It says, The fear of man bringeth the snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And I could I considered that for a moment. Now, do I either believe the word of God or not? If I don't, then I'm double minded. Double minded man is unstable in all his ways, it says. And that is true. Fear of yep. man will bring a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Now it doesn't mean that God 
might not cause to be a martyr. I think most of us, if we're alive long enough, and we are in that time of war and the saints coming in the tribulation, most of us probably will be martyred. So be it. Yeah. Are we aff- yeah. are we not willing to die for Christ who died for us? And you know what? I'm not saying they're that the ones. They're the ones that rule with them during the tribulation. The martyrs right? that die during the tribulation are the ones that rule with them. There's reward for that, you know. If we don't break free of and, that and snare, not like, not like the Muslim getting virgins or whatever stuff, right? Uh, but, but you know, we fear, should be willing. The fear will ensnare you and cripple us, and we won't be active doing anything. Lord won't be able to use us. We'll be no good to him. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to a lady yesterday that uh, doesn't know Jesus. Uh, but she's very, very sweet. Been a school teacher and worked with special needs and all this stuff. And and I was trying to explain to her that when when you walk by somebody in Walmart and they're in a wheelchair and your heart goes out to them and you're like, oh, I, I wish, I hope their life gets better. I hope that maybe there's some, maybe they can get healed. Something can happen. That's a prayer. Wishing them well is a prayer. Uh, but you can do it the other way too. Wishing them evil, man. Somebody ought to punch that guy in the nose. I hope he's. I hope his car breaks down. He loses his job and whatever. Whoa. That's a prayer too. Right. Well, the same way, you can you can worship somebody by adoring them and following them around everywhere and hanging on their every word, or you can worship somebody by fearing them, following them around and hanging on their every word. Either way, they got your full attention. And so when you when you have a fear of man, you're worshiping man. It's still you know it's every every everything has two sides. Satan can get you with uh, with uh, anorexia or obesity. Either way, you know right. uh, gluttony or anorexia. Still, your focus is food and not Jesus. You know you ought to be asking him what to eat and when to eat it. Uh, That's right. All the time, you know, you can walk that way. People can walk in that kind of relationship. One of the most dangerous demons uh, is loneliness. More porn, more rape, more drugs, more alcohol, more whatever, more bad relationship decisions are motivated by loneliness than anything else. Boy, that- we are sheep that should be in a flock, and Satan really uses it against us. And Jesus says, I am here. You hear my voice. I will hold your hand. But the church doesn't teach people how to have so real a relationship with Jesus that you don't need to talk to a volleyball if you're on an island by yourself. Folks, <laughs> That are he's you... there and real. And you're not just talking at him, but you can hear him and he can direct all of your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord your God, but not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. My simplified, paraphrased version is, trust him all the way. Shut up, do whatever he says. <laughs> and, and and don't listen to man. If, if you're not going to lean on your own understanding, why are we going to lean on CNN's understanding? Right. Or or Fox News's or anybody else's. Just, just ask the Lord, get in the kind of place where you can be walking with him all the time and then he will tell you how to feel and how to what to do next and you know who to marry and whatever else comes up. I hear that. Folks, are you enjoying this broadcast tonight? This is Divine Appointment. We're here with Doug Perry. Doug, we've only got four minutes left for this program. 
But this is just an introduction. We've got him coming back twice next week. You want to share this program tonight with everybody and be back for our next program. Doug, I want you to have uh, prayer. However, the Holy Spirit leads you for people tuning in out there. And then I also want you to give out your contact information again and tell us how people can get involved with you and support your ministry. Over to you. Well, we'll do that first and then we'll pray. Uh, uh, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com is the website. It's FOTM1 on YouTube. There's over 2,000 videos on there. Pretty much tell you all about me and what we've been doing. You can watch me get old from 2000 to gray-haired now. Uh, eight, eight books on the website for free. Lots of articles. Music that we wrote. Some that you can't even play in church. It'll get you tossed out. Uh, but uh, whatever we can do for you, we're here. We want to be able to help if you have questions or um, need somebody to talk to or prayer or whatever. Uh, we're just outside of Kansas City. There's a lot of promises over Kansas City. Maybe we'll talk about that next time and what God is doing here and uh, what I think is coming. But uh, uh, the main the main thing is the Fellowship of the Martyrs website, and uh, there's links from there on to everything else um, that, do you have, that, we, um, that we do. Do you have um, PayPal or Cash App or any way people can support your ministry through that website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's links on the website, but you, you can PayPal to FOTM at fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. You can cash app to dollar sign FOTM, the number one. Our video just buffered. Uh, check or all over the world. Send money. Okay, I got you back. Um, I'm going to put that link in the show notes, folks, so you got it. Uh, Doug, go ahead yeah. and close us in prayer. Thank you for coming on tonight, and we're going to see Doug on Wednesday. Over to you, my friend. They, there's not a one of us that doesn't look around and see that this this is a mess all over the world. The, uh, in Armenia, the, the the oldest Christian nation getting beat up by Azerbaijan, and it doesn't even make the news. One of the greatest revivals in history happening in Iran, nobody's talking about. Stuff we're exporting from the United States, horrible things all over the world. And a church that hasn't done its job, hasn't preached the gospel to all nations, and the gospel we are preaching, it's not the gospel at all. Lord, we're sorry. And we're coming to humble ourselves before you. And ask you please to have mercy. I don't think Trump's going to bring a golden age to America. I think we're Babylon. I think it's on the rails. I think we're in the last days. I think it's headed toward you coming back. And I know that when I pray, come Lord Jesus, I'm praying, bring on the tidal waves, bring on the, the, the diseases, bring on the wormwood, bring on everything else that has to come in order for you to get here. But nonetheless, we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come and fix this thing. We're sorry we broke it. We didn't follow the instructions. We're just stupid little kids 
And we we tried to put this bicycle together, and there's parts left over, and it doesn't work like it should. And we're asking you, please, Daddy, can we come just? Could you just put it together right the way it's supposed to be and fix it? We're really sorry. We need you to come and be a dad to us, and 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 kiss our boo boos and spank us and whatever it takes. Stupid little toddlers having a hissy fit for too long. Hitting each other over the head with Tonka trucks. We're sorry, Lord. I pray to do whatever you have to do to all the people that say they love you, that they would pray in agreement the last final prayer you prayed before you went to the cross, that we would be one as you and the Father want. I don't even know how that can happen unless you're filling us and loving through us. Because we can't love them like you love us unless it's you loving through us. And you said, any prayer I pray for me, I can pray for somebody else. So I'm praying, Lord, that you would burn off everything that doesn't look like Jesus in everybody that hears this. That you would put the turkey in the oven and turn it up real high and don't let them out until you're done, even if you got to take a flamethrower to them, until you burned off all the greasy fingerprints of man and the lies of Satan and everything that doesn't look like you. We thank you for this time. We pray that you would get this to all the people that need to hear it. If anything was said that wasn't you, Lord, please let it fall away harmless. We bless you and we thank you. We ask that you would help us to twirl, to rejoice in all things, to be obedient to your command. that you're in charge you know we pray all this to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen I say amen to that brother I praise God for you what a powerful message tonight folks I'm excited to be back on with Doug Perry Fellowship of the Martyrs I'll get this up in a few hours I want you to share it with everybody you can Doug God bless you and we're going to see you back Wednesday, you my friend. Thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah. God bless you. That was Doug Perry. Folks, we're in for some blessings. We've got some great shows lined up for you. We're going to be back with Doug Wednesday. Let me save this. We'll be right back.